Hello everyone, it's the Campaign Podcast. I'm your host today, Omar Oaks, and we're back with another special episode of the show. Today we're looking at the Campaign School Reports, our annual and comprehensive look at how UK agencies are performing in the world of advertising media marketing. I apologise for the disruption to our normal schedule, but we are pleased to say that our production partners in number eight have enabled us to record this podcast remotely during this pandemic. And by us, I mean a very special lineup today. We have Campaign's Global Editor-in-Chief, Claire Beale. Hi, Claire. How are you? And tell us, um, you are Campaign's Global Editor-in-Chief. Um, what are we doing as a global network right now during this time? Hi, Omar. I'm really good in the circumstances. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting few weeks in terms of corralling our global teams. Um, obviously, we're all uh, spending a lot more time on video calls. But actually, I feel that the way we're working right now probably is has hastened um, a mode of operating that we probably should have adopted a bit earlier in terms of getting the communications of our global teams um, as, as streamlined as possible. So we're actually operating really effectively. And that's a good thing because there's an awful lot of um, similar uh, and shared stories coming out in terms of how the holding companies and the agency networks are reacting to the crisis. So we're all working together frantically to to share leads and stories on how the industry is responding. It's really interesting. And how? what are your communication methods of choice? Are you doing Zoom calls, WhatsApp? How are you doing it? Uh, lots of Google Hangouts with or without the camera facility, depending on time of day on our different zones. I think some of my colleagues are talking to me in their pyjamas and possibly from their beds um, and whether I've washed my hair, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, lots of Google Hangouts and the odd traditional phone call, it must be said. Yes, uh, good not to have to worry about what you look like on a call nowadays. Um, we also have our UK editor-in-chief, Gideon Spanier. Hello, Gideon. Now, the April issue has come out today at the time of recording, which has the school reports, and our cover feature is a love letter to the advertising industry. Explain what that is and why we've done it. Well, the first thing to say is that this April issue has been produced as if it were a print issue and there's an actual page turner, a digital edition. We haven't actually sent it to the printers because it just wasn't practical. People aren't in their offices and um, actually putting even the postal system under strain at this time didn't seem like the right thing to do. The school reports are the bulk of the issue. We've got quite a bit also on the impact of the coronavirus. And uh, I've taken over as UK Editor-in-Chief. And the love letter is just meant to champion the role of advertising and its huge importance in just building businesses, in helping brands grow. And obviously the role of creativity, helping to animate brands, if you like, without creativity so many brands would just fade from view and it feels doubly if not triply important given that in the last month the uk and the world has gone into the fastest advertising recession really in history there's it's unprecedented the speed and savagery of what's happened so that's the idea of the love letter it's to say we love advertising and we want to help support it and we do that through hard times and good times. And we know these are very hard times. Indeed. And 
we also have our contributing editor, Jeremy Lee, who I think it's fair to say has been poring over lots of proofs of um, school reports leading up to this process. Um, hello, Jeremy. Um, tell us briefly, what's different about this year's school reports? Hi, Omar. Um, so this year we have uh, diversified the number of all the types of agencies that we've included. So traditionally it used to be just creative and media agencies, but this year we've got more experiential agencies We've got performance marketing agencies, and that sort of acknowledges our uh, our readership, really, that you know, how things have changed. So we've tried to broaden it out. We've also included included questions on uh, BAME representation and gender gender split as well uh, to try and get a, a slightly more accurate um, picture of whether agencies are delivering on their talk of. Uh, being more representative of the country and the capital. And what what was your impression? Are they more on the diversity point? Are agencies more diverse than they were maybe 12 months ago? I think it's pretty much uh, the same. I mean, there's heartening news. It looks like the industry is going to hit the IPA target of having um, uh, 40% senior management female uh, representation. I think within the BAME, uh, there's still quite a lot of work to do. Senior management level is quite low, but there is positive signs um, in terms of uh, new recruits coming into the industry, coming from uh, more diverse backgrounds than, than public schools and Russell Group universities. Interesting. Right, we'll get into school reports in more depth in a bit. But firstly, before I get onto that, I want to talk about the week's news briefly, because Every week is a big week of news right now, but particularly with um, the major holding companies announcing um, job cuts, possible redundancies, furloughs. And Claire, you actually um, spoke to Arthur Sadoon, the CEO of Publicis Group this week. Um, what did he say and what can we expect from um, the holding companies to say at this time? Uh, yeah, actually, Publicis Group, they pulled their, their results announcement forward a little bit. Um, and I think they, they just wanted to be really transparent about what was happening and, um, and face the, the situation head on. So he announced that actually they'd had a, a reasonable start to the year before coronavirus hit. And they obviously had a, they've had uh, quite a lot of pressure on their share price over the last year. And um, uh, it, this, things were looking up in January, particularly in America, which has been a weak point for them. But um, they they announced a 2.9% fall in growth um, which was in line with expectations. But obviously, because it's only the first quarter, a lot of the coronavirus impact hadn't quite been felt yet. What he also announced was a 500 million euro cost reduction plan. And we've seen some more evidence of what that actually means on the ground here in the UK this week. Um, Gideon did a story about uh, the the cuts that in UK agencies. So most agencies seem to be going for um, a salary reduction strategy rather than furloughing lots of staff. Um, and Arthur Sadoon himself uh, has taken a 30% pay cut for the next few months. Uh, Maurice Levy, uh, who's the, the chair of the supervisory board, has taken a 30% cut um, for the year. And we also had a statement from Omnicom's John Wren this week, which kind of echoed a similar approach. So John Wren is actually foregoing his entire salary until the end of September, and the Omnicom leadership team are cutting their pay by a third. So I think that that's emerging as a familiar pattern across the entire industry. Claire, could I just ask you, I thought it was interesting, I mean, I think Mark Reed from WPP was quite early out the trap saying that they weren't going to make redundancies. 
do you think that comment may come back and haunt him, given that what the other holding companies have done? I, I think so. I'd be really surprised if anybody escaped without having to make job cuts, um, uh, which is obviously a very uh, sad state of affairs, but it, it is the reality right now. Um, Publicist Group have this stay inside policy, which means um, they're cutting any freelancers, but any vacancies have to be filled uh, internally right now. And I think that that's probably quite a smart approach. Um, if you're rather than, than cutting jobs, moving people around, it, it the downside of that is people are seen as uh, maybe a resource that, that can be moved from um, just company to company or um, redeployed and obviously we're all human beings and that that isn't a very palatable way of dealing with your employees on the other hand it's better than losing your job right now because we are heading for a significant recession and there aren't going to be a lot of job vacancies around for anybody that finds themselves on the, the job market right now. And has there been any suggestion of further consolidation? I mean, we've already seen so much consolidation in the past few years with um, publicist group merging agencies, WPP merging agencies. Um, do you think that there is an appetite to do that in for cost reduction or maybe because um, it's things that they were wanting to do in the medium to long term anyway, Claire? I think there'll be a degree of nervousness about that right now because what everyone is also trying to do, of course, is to serve their clients and make sure that they retain business and encourage their clients to to spend their way through this um, crisis as much as possible and invest uh, in long-term brand building wherever they can. Interesting. Um, of course, listeners, keep up with the latest news at campaignlive.co.uk, where we're running a live blog every day um, to keep you up to date with all the coronavirus news. And there is still a lot of it. But now let's get into this school report. Now, Gideon, um, for, for the uninformed, for those not aware of um, the school reports, Gideon, please um, explain briefly what they are, um, the 102 agencies that we write about and why they matter this year, particularly during the health crisis. So uh, I think the campaign school reports uh, have been going since, uh, is it before the, before the start of the century, Claire? When did their first school reports get started? Uh yeah, a very very long time. Um, I can't I can't entirely remember, but they were certainly going when I started on campaign, and that was quite a long time ago. The campaign school reports are the journalists' assessment of these agencies who we invite to submit information. So we ask them to tell us about their year, the number of accounts they've got, the ones that they've won, the ones that they've lost, the number of staff, their key personnel and so on and it gives us a really good snapshot because this is perhaps one of the only ways that you can actually have all of these different agencies compared on a on a like for like basis we've also as jeremy said sort of got diversity information in recent years and even environmental information we're really trying to provide a deep and rich snapshot the team of campaign journalists there's roughly about a dozen of us who write these reports and then we come together and score uh, the agencies on a range of one to nine. Nine being outstanding and one, I actually have to remember the exact thing. Is it is it a survival in question one? It's certainly um, pretty bad. Um, yeah, no, one, yeah, no one scored a one this year. So that's, that's, and uh, I mean, I think that these reports always matter. They are some agency leaders get KPI'd on them. 
we know that if you know if you get a seven or an eight or nine it's a real tonic if you get a three or a four you're really disappointed and it's a sort of public uh, affirmation of your year it's particularly important this year because the the reports cover the calendar year 2019 and as we know 2020 is going to be horrific there's going to be some agencies that are going to be in terrible financial trouble and we're very sympathetic to them and I hope that these reports will be something that all the agencies can look back on with pride, thinking this is what we built. And uh, sadly, recessions can be very destructive, but we must hope that this is going to be, um, you know, there's an amazing talent across these different businesses, some part of global networks, some independent and, and recently founded. So it's real cross-section. Alongside the school reports, um, we also produce league tables, um, Jeremy. Um, tell us what we provide and what you're seeing, um, what they're telling us about agencies' performance. Well, the league tables are provided to us by Nielsen and they measure uh, media billings. And obviously, they're a much more accurate um, representation of the health of a, uh, an agency in the media sector, actually, you know, delivering the spend. But they also are broadly representative what are happening within creative agencies, even though we know that um, making TV ads and press ads isn't the bulk of their, uh, well, isn't, isn't the only way they make money. So it was interesting this year, I think Abbott Mead Vickers has been at the top of the, uh, or the, the biggest UK agency by Billings for as long as I can remember. I don't know whether, Claire, you can remember how, how long ago they've been there. Yeah, well, in my living living campaign memory so to me that was the the most stunning thing from these tables that's a real shock so they, they've dropped down they've lost their place at the top two their sister omnicom agency uh, adam and eve ddb uh, so adam and eve drew their billings by over 50 percent whereas abbott mead dropped by nearly 20 percent and it's quite interesting that one of the reasons for that is that um adam and eve picked up quite a lot of business from abbott mead last year so they mm. won uh National Lottery, which is a massive gamble, which will account for quite a lot of, of that revenue. So I think that that was one of the big story, it's certainly within the top 10. I thought it was also interesting that this was the first year that we saw Ogilvy, Ogilvy UK as a merged entity having subsumed Ogilvy One and various other parts of the of the group. So they moved into the fifth position from number nine with a 31% growth. Uh, a lot of that was from um, organic growth uh and from uh, new business. So that, that's a positive for WPP there. And um, you touched on this, but I just want to delve a bit deeper. How much of a reflection is it also of agencies doing less of this comms-based work, if you like? So are we just are we, are we supposed to look at this and think that it's purely a sign of performance that AMV has gone from number one to number four? Or could it be a sign that agencies are doing things which aren't reflected in these league tables? I think that's right. I think it's, it's indicative, but it's not, um, you know, it's, it's not the complete picture of, of how an agency is doing. I mean, Abbott Mead had a stunning year in terms of uh, cre- creative awards, uh, last year so that obviously isn't represented in these figures and that's why we don't just use these figures to score agencies as Gideon said we look at their we look at their you know their their client retention rate their people their awards and also very importantly their their, their creative work okay let's get into the creative work then let's look at creative agencies um which ones stood out who who were the top performers first of all claire pretty predictably um adam and eve ddb was uh it was our agency of the year this year and it scored a nine um and as you just heard from jeremy it's it's billings um as one indication of its its financial health billings were up 52 percent so that was 
an absolutely stellar performance, particularly given the fact that they their founders left last year and I suppose they were under a lot of um, kind of emotional pressure and, and certainly the public public eye was on them, like how is the new management team going to cope without the, the founder spirit there? And, well, they coped by increasing their billings by 52%, getting a nine in the school reports, winning agency of the year, doing some of the best work in Virgin Media, John Lewis, PlayStation. Um, they had an absolutely astounding performance. Um, so, yeah, they were right up there for me, of course. And Jeremy, what about um, the other um, usual suspects, if I can put it that way, among the creative agencies? How do they do? I'm thinking of Mother, BBH, Wyden and Kennedy. Well, BBH was pretty much uh, steady as she goes. Obviously, they had a year last year where they, they had to pitch and uh, work to re- retain existing clients. So Audi being the most prominent one. Gray is an interesting story. You saw them drop out of the top 10 with a 35% drop in billings. Unfortunately, they had a, a pretty grim year, which they'll, um, they're by their own admission. Um, so that's quite a quite a shock seeing them outside the top 10. I thought it was also interesting, double-digit growth for the likes of Wyden and Kennedy, VML Y&R, again, another agency that was formed last year, and the AM partnership, which had a, which had a stonky and I don't think you know, I think they're probably going to well he says if it, in a normal year they'd have grown even larger this year because they picked up um, they picked up British Gas uh, at the air towards the end of towards the end of the year so they they, they 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 should have been on the trajectory I'd also like to point out some of the newer agencies like um, On Common I think they grew something like ridiculous obviously they from a very small base but I think they grew something like 300% in billings and they've really been on uh, you know an upward trajectory and that's reflected in these figures and, and that's great to see because it's also reflected in their brilliant work um, On Common's really interesting I want to declare um, you know off the top of your head how does Uncommon's performance as a startup compare to, you know, Adam and Eve, for example, um, remembering the last really successful startup in Adland? I think, to me, Uncommon's had a, a better creative start, a faster creative start. Um, they, in terms of their billings performance, I don't know. Um, the The market has changed a lot since Adam and Eve launched anyway. There's a lot more... Um, projects around rather than retained accounts probably than uh, Adam and Eve enjoyed in its early years so I think life is tougher for an independent now and I think Uncommon is probably um, it's a small independent fleet of foot agency but the next few months are going to be really tough for a, a, a young agency with few retained clients and you know all the all the pressures of a young bank balance so I think it will be tough for them but in terms of how they've got out of the the blocks then it's been an amazing performance and they were they were certainly a contender for agency of the year as well they were our independent agency of the year but they they play with the big boys and girls yeah. let's move on to media agencies um Gideon um seems like a long time ago now but you were our global head of media uh, not so long ago um tell us from your perspective who stood out for you in terms of the media agencies this year well these are team scores omd group uh, got an eight good stuff got an eight initiative um mediacom so these are all uh you know, strongly performing agencies OMD Group probably stands out the most. It's actually two agencies in one, Manning Gottlieb, which has done all the government advertising. And that that was last year, Get Ready for Brexit. This year, all the stuff around coronavirus awareness. Uh, its sister agency, OMD, is part of that group. I would say it was a, a, a pretty 
decent performance by a lot of media agencies. And there's, I'd say, a reasonable uh, performance by some of the independents, like Seven Stars, Good Stuff, Total. So I wouldn't say that there was anything which particularly stunned me about it. We might, I might just mention on the creative agencies, I've, I think it's interesting that the AM partnership, Wonderman Thompson, you're seeing ty- new forms of integrated agency emerge, which are, are definitely putting together creative and data, sometimes creative and data and media. And we also see and hear about that on some of the other agencies, whether it's CRM or performance. So media as a discipline remains quite distinct but i find it interesting that quite a lot of the other disciplines are blurring gideon can i just say i thought it's one thing within media i thought it was quite interesting mediacom was the first uk agency to become a billion pound billing agency uh this year there's now two there's omd which you mentioned i thought that's mm-hmm. sort of a, an interesting moment in time that there are now two agencies billing over yeah, so it's interesting that you have got Mediacom and OMD Group, um, both just both, uh, you know, a billion plus. But th- there have been other agencies in that same ballpark of a billion pounds. Cara and MEC, now known as WaveMaker, they've both slipped back. And OMD Group has definitely been helped by the government business, which is sort of 160 million pounds plus in a good year. Uh, I don't think it's clear yet what the coronavirus spend will do, you know, their, their overall billings. But I, I would say that the, when you look at the actual spends that the agency groups have on media, it and that is probably most closely correlated to billings, it's fairly static. So I wouldn't say that it's been growing that much in the last year. Can I just add on the, the coronavirus? Mull and Lowe uh, in 2019 had a, had a pretty uh, miserable year. They think they're, they stepped from 24th, which was quite small anyway, to 39th, where they're in the, in the company of agencies like Alpha Century in the corner. And I think they are responsible for the coronavirus advertising, um, which uses uh, Mark Strong, who's become the voice of the, of the drama. And I think uh, it's, you know, given the, the volume of advertising that the government's putting out, or messaging they're putting out around uh, coronavirus and what people need to do, they'll be they'll be climbing up the ladder next year, I suppose. Yes, um, we expect a lot more messaging um, depending on how long the crisis lasts, for sure. Um, and Gideon, to Jeremy's point about um, now two agencies um, surpassing that billion pound mark, um, do you, is this a sign of further consolidation, do you think, within media or is something else going on? Uh, I don't see uh, any significant trends at the moment there. Uh, I don't think that there's been a radical reshaping at the sort of top of the tree. Uh, when you look at the media, it's uh, usually traded by the holding company, not just by an agency within it. So OMD is part of Omnicom, Mediacom is part of WPP. And I'm just looking at the billings table. And what's interesting is WPP's billings, that's through Group M, uh, were up about 4% on the year. Omnicom was up 22%. That's a big jump. And that is uh, them putting clear water, if I can put it like that, between Publicist Group, who were down 8%, and Dense Aegis Network, uh, down 13 So what you've tended to have is... Uh, WPP out in front and then Omnicom Publicis and Densuigis sort of all roughly clustered in second place with around 16% each. Omnicom has definitely been advancing and is kind of clear second position and Publicis and Dentsu 
are sort of trading blows for third some way behind. And although um, a lot of media is now uh, negotiated and traded on a biddable basis, auction based online, still that big group spend, the power of having a billion pounds plus, I mean, WPP manages over three billion pounds of spend between their agencies that that gives them a lot of trading power. It still matters. And billings is obviously very important. But what other criteria does the team use to judge one media agency versus another? Um, it on the, you know when you're judging creative agencies, obviously we have the work, um, which is an important factor on that side. But when it comes to media agencies, how do we compare beyond billings? Well, media agencies are like other agencies. They they are businesses in their own right, and you can measure them on many things. So it could be innovation like Essence, which is a digital agency, builds a lot of software and other types of product, uh, which are unique and sort of on top of the Google tech stack. You might have Good Stuff, which has been uh, partnering with other agencies and supporting uh, startups with their Start Stuff initiative. So I think you can measure agencies on any number of things, but I think things like collaboration, a sense that it is contributing beyond just basic work for clients, uh, collaborating with media owners. And that kind of thing really matters. And I think you can also see diversification. An agency like PhD, which has been expanding in Manchester, so looking beyond London, uh, that's an important and interesting trend. The Seven Stars helped support the launch launch of Bountiful Cow. And uh, whilst I wouldn't say there's been a huge number of launches or new entrants in the media space who have yet made the school reports, it's uh, I think it is a positive time because where you're seeing some growth is in the area of performance marketing. And really, these kind of agencies we have had Crowd as a new entrant this year, Brain Labs. These are agencies which are essentially media agencies built for the age of uh, or online auction based machine-driven media. Now, you might not like some of these trends, but they are reality, and I think they're going to be accelerated uh, because of all the disruption happening uh, post-coronavirus. Um, indeed, and of course, um, you know there are 102 agencies that are in the school reports um, for 2019, and it's not just you know traditional creative agencies or media agencies. We have performance agencies, as you say, experiential agencies, um, digital agencies. Um, shout out to Analog Folk, for example. It's got a nine um, for after a very good performance in 2019. Um, but I wonder, Claire. Is it harder than ever to actually put these agencies into boxes nowadays? We've heard about, you know, the Wonderman Thompsons of the MLYNR, for example, who are not your sort of traditional agency any longer, as what they're at least hoping to be. Um, is it, are they, are they blurring into one? Um, I, the, definitely the, the blurring of the disciplines is absolutely a trend that we've been seeing for the last many years um as and Gideon referred to it earlier it, everyone is um I guess what what happened at Ogilvy was the the perfect example of it you know it did have um I think maybe a dozen different companies within the Ogilvy group serving different disciplines and it's now just one company so it is harder and harder to define these groups as any uh, these, these kind of grouped agencies as anything other than communications companies um that that has been a trend and uh i think it, it's a reflection of the way that 
clients want to streamline their agency relationships um, and have proper business partners rather than a bunch of suppliers. That's all the time we have, unfortunately, today. Um, we could go on and on, but we won't. Um, thank you so much um, to my campaign colleagues today for a really interesting discussion. And please, listeners, do check out um, the school reports, which are on our site, campaignlive.co.uk. Remember to subscribe if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast. And thanks again to our partners at Number 8 for editing and recording today's podcast. Thanks very much. Until next time. Bye-bye.